Welcome to the 7pm Cafe Podcast. Today we have a new artist, a New York artist, Dominican Latina, Niseli Vega, actress, director, and she has a new company that she will be talking about. Go grab your coffee, your tea, your favorite drink, and listen. Welcome to the 7 p.m. Cafe Podcast. Today, our guest is Niseli Vega, singer, actress, born in New York, grew up in Texas, has a BFA in acting and directing from Sam Houston State University, moved back to New York in 2012. Welcome, Niseli. Hi, thank you for having me. It's good to see or uh, hear you. <laughs> it's good to hear you. <laughs> Nisali, you remember how we met? So I think if, I don't know how long ago, it has to be at least four years ago or more, but I was doing a little show at Pregones Theater, I think, and you were with your friend. We met like after the show and we took a picture together. <laughs> we're close, close. It was, it was in the Puerto Rican Traveling Theater. Yeah. Uh, the Halloween show at Remojo in 2015. Wow. Wait, so hold on. What was the show called? El Remojo. El Remojo. I don't remember. I mean, yep. I think it was like yes. a kind of like a mix shows presenting like new work, but like pieces That's of right. new work. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. I was doing a piece for Omar Perez. He wrote like a 15-minute piece. You're right. Okay, yes, yes. I kind of remember, I remember it in my head, what it looks like, but I don't remember any of those details, so thank you. <laughs> yeah, that was fun. God, I can't believe that was six years ago. Thanks for having me. That's cool. <laughs> Thanks for coming. Yeah. So let's start with, why don't you tell us a bit how you start acting and singing? Sure. I guess the earliest form of any kind of performance I did uh, started, well, my father's a singer and he plays the guitar, but he mainly does his singing and playing for the church. That was my earliest form of music that I listened to and appreciated. I was a very shy kid growing up and I it took me a while to kind of figure out I was a little weird you know so I, I felt like I never fit in with with the friend groups and things so I was always kind of figuring out okay where do I go I, I sang in choir at church and then I also did choir in high in middle school and in high school and I loved I loved being a part of choir because It wasn't just focused on me, but I was part of a bigger picture of making something beautiful. And that was like my earliest connection of just of being connected with art. And then in high school, I auditioned for my first musical ever, uh, Footloose. And I had to, you know, sing a song and audition and I, I got it. I was in the ensemble. And from there, I started to discover acting and just what that world brought as far as fulfillment for me. And also the community of actors and, and the theater community is very accepting. I felt very at home 
in a way with being the weird kid or being a little bit different and and the theater community accepting me. And then, yeah, from then on, I just always loved being in plays and I loved you know, watching movies, that's a big part of my upbringing is we watched a lot of movies growing up. And so being able to join the world and do musicals sometimes, you know, has just always been from an early age, something that like, I just inherently was drawn to. Yeah. And then I went to Sam Houston and I was not accepted into the musical theater department. So I just got my acting and directing degree. But even still with that, I still went on to do professional musicals, so it never held me back in that way. But yeah, that's how it started. <laughs> so you also done um, television. How you find the difference between theater and television? Acting is such an umbrella term because there's so many different forms of acting. And I, I, you know, just like any actor, we continue to take classes and we continue to learn. I didn't take my first film acting for camera class uh, probably until 2013. And I took a class here in the city with Heidi Marshall. And she's an amazing, phenomenal, phenomenal director and coach and just understands film in a way that is so accessible. Like she's just filled with so much knowledge. And so for her to be able to help and coach me on things in her class, opened it opened a door of opportunities that I never knew I could have. And then at that time, right around that time is when I got my agent. And so it kind of, you know, that imposter syndrome of, I don't know how to act for the camera because I've only done this. It kind of just fell into my lap of now I'm going to auditions for different TV shows. And I kind of just had to figure it out. Uh, it was definitely figuring it out as I go, figuring out what doesn't work figuring out what does work uh, and what works on camera does not work on stage and vice versa. It's just two completely form, two different forms of acting that I'm still figuring it out. You know, there's just to be able to switch back and forth is definitely a skill in itself. And so not every actor can do that. And I've been grateful to have both opportunities for sure. Have you found um, obstacles as a Latina? Oh my God. <laughs> ah, it It's so frustrating for so many reasons. I'm a lighter skinned Latina, but I'm Dominican. And so my own people don't accept me being Dominican. I have to constantly prove, you know, do I speak Spanish? Do I eat platanos? Do I know what mangu is? Like just all of these things that are so irritating and then it's irritating because to be it's one thing to be questioned by the industry who that's predominantly white that's another layer but to be questioned by my own people is just i it's happened my whole life and uh it's always been this lane of i am not enough you know i'm I, i'm not enough dominican i'm certainly not white but i'm not enough light-skinned to pass for white and so i've always had to find the lane that i could go in and and so that's where code switching comes in you know being having to be able to adapt in either situations um but then also the industry they have this perception of what a latina is and it's very small you know, it's a, it's a very small point of view of what they think being a Latina looks like and what it is to carry yourself 
And so I've been put in so many boxes that I don't want to be in because that's what the industry knows. Um, so a lot of my experience as being a performer is breaking down barriers. A lot of my experience is being the first one to do something that another person hasn't done. So it's, it's challenging and it used to really upset me that I have to constantly prove myself. And now I see it as a challenge, you know, like, oh, I mean, and in college, like I went to a very white college. So like there's a lot of layers playing into a lot of things as to why my experience was different. But, you know, even people telling me I got to change my name to make it easier for people to say like Nicelli Vega is not hard to say, you know, and it's so it's just I've had so many people constantly like put this box on me, you know, or you can't do that because you're this, or you, you should do this because you're not that. And it's just like, no, fuck all that. Or, or forget all that. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to go by these rules. So a lot of my experience of being a professional artist is actually breaking a lot of rules, quote unquote. Do you remember your first play professional? It was a musical. Yes. It was in Houston at Stages Repertory Theater, and they gave me an opportunity Uh, it was through an internship with our school, but we were working with the professional actors of the city. And anyhow, it was called uh, Panto's Cinderella, and it was a musical. And it was such a different, I mean, just professional theater is nothing like college. That's just number one. In college, they build this idea that it's this nasty competition. They build this idea that it's a very alone career and you can't trust anyone. Um, and that's just not, that's not the case. Uh, if, if you're a professional actor and if you love what you're doing, then that means inherently that you love the community and you love who you're collaborating with. And so that was my, my first professional experience was truly a magical collaboration of brilliant minds coming together and trying to make something, not trying, successfully making something that everyone, adults, children, you know, everyone watching could take something away from. I'm, I'm really lucky that my, my first professional experience was that because that's now like, the, it set the bar for how I want all of my other professional experiences to be. And so when it's not that, then I know something is falling short. Your first gig in New York. Gig, like big, big thing, I would say. I did an off-Broadway show in 2015, I think, or 2014. Um, I did an off-Broadway show called One Day, the musical. Again, didn't get my degree in musical theater. So all of these experiences with musicals was me pushing through an immense amount of imposter syndrome. Because yes, I sing and yes, I act, but there's this, like, I, I had a very hard time accepting that I could be professional in musical theater when my school told me that I couldn't. So anyhow, that's just like another, you know, back layer to that, but One Day the Musical, and it was a cast that all of them came from California, except for me and one other actor that were New York-based. And I mean, it, it was 
it was exactly what a New York experience is. You know, the sh we did all the the press came out. Their Broadway World did all all of the product, you know, promotional stuff for it. Uh, there was all this buzz. Lots of really big names that were involved on the production team. And the show went up and we got decent reviews. Um, it was a little bit more abstract, the show. So, you know, some people weren't feeling it and some people were. That's fine. And then we closed and, you know, the, the whole buzz was like, oh, you know, they're going to take it to Broadway or they're going to do something else and it's going to go somewhere else. And they get, they get all the actors excited uh, for the potential of what this show could be. And then, you know, they lose the money and then nothing ever happens. <laughs> and so, but it was for that to be my first like big New York thing. It was magical. It was everything I wanted it to be. My family flew from Texas and they came to see me. My grandparents who don't speak English came to see the show. And the fact that I was able to share with my family a big, big part of who I am, and a lot of them have never been able to see me perform, um, it, it was big. I think it was big for that reason. You know, getting, getting an acting degree causes a lot of uh, judgment and misunderstanding from people who don't understand, you know, why I pursue this. And so to be able to show them, like, here's an actual thing you can see and this is just a part of why I do it, because it brings all of these people together. That was really important to me. And that was a really special moment for that reason. I also noticed you do comedy and improv as well. I do. I love it so much. I used to work at this restaurant where I was a singing waitress uh, in Times Square. And a friend of mine, a co-worker of mine, he owns an improv company called Face Off Unlimited. If you guys want to check them out, uh, faceoffunlimited.com. I had never taken an improv class. I did not think I was funny. I did not think I should be doing anything related to anything that was comedy. <laughs> Um, but I took the class anyway, because I don't want to stop myself from learning something. So I took the class and I ended up realizing that uh, improv changed my life and saved my life, um, truly. And I mean that with the deepest parts of myself that I think every single person, no matter what background, no matter what job, anything, every single person can benefit from improv. It helped my auditions. It helped my booking professional work. It's helped my social skills. It's helped my empathy with, with other people and understanding other people. It's really been the foundation of why I do what I do. And so, sorry, that got very deep, but <laughs> that is, I do love improv that much. And I do feel like it is an essential part of every performer, whether they think they're a comedian or not, it actually has nothing to do with comedy, but more so to do with how you can think on your feet, think on your toes, be able to be resilient, be able to say yes without knowing the outcome of something. It's lifted the restrictions that I've had on myself mentally. And so and then they had a show going on on the Lower East Side for about six years called Batsu, which, which means uh, in Japanese, it means punishment. And so this improv show was a punishment-based show. So if you lost the games, then you would get punished. And uh, 
I am one of four females to ever be in the show because at first they didn't think that women could do the show because they didn't think that we could handle the punishments. And, and so my friend who owns a company, I was just like, well, that's, that's bullshit. Like we can handle periods. What are you talking? Like we get cramps every <laughs> month and bleed out of our vaginas every month. Like, how do you guys think that we can't handle pain? This is stupid. Um, so anyhow, I got to finally do the show. If I'm not mistaken, I think it's the only improv show that pays their actors which is a big deal because then you have Second City, you have The Pit, you have all these places. But based off Unlimited, they're a little mom and pop improv company that really looked after their performers. So I was, yeah, about three times, two to three times a week, I would do an improv show. And sometimes I would get shot with a paintball gun, or I would, I don't know, put my hands in, in rat traps and like mouse traps. Like those oh were the God. punishments that we would have to do. <laughs> but it was hilarious. <laughs> Um, yeah, if you, yeah, it was, so aside from that show, and I've done like a bunch of other, you know, little Friday night gigs and things like that, but improv changed my life for sure. And I, I recommend anyone, anyone who has any fear of speaking in front of people, any hesitations and how to communicate. I, I just think improv would solve all of that. Yeah. <laughs> so you mentioned you work in a restaurant and you were singing. That's so interesting that you find a job where you can still do your art right the place is called ellen stardust diner it's on 51st and broadway and it's a very well-known restaurant and when i first moved to the city i was an assistant teacher at a preschool that was my first job to just get on my feet in the city and then i i was carrying my resume in my bag and i happened to just be walking near the restaurant and I didn't, I've never heard of it, didn't know what was going on, but on the outside, it says singing wait staff. And so I went in and it truly is like a Willy Wonka factory. Like it's crazy when you go inside, you just, you don't know what you're walking into. And it's exactly that. It's, it's servers who are also performers who are singing in your face and then also <laughs> serving you your burgers and your fries. Like that is literally what the job is. So I applied. <laughs> <laughs> and I got hired probably two weeks after that. And usually they have a wait list. And I just got super lucky that that day they happened to be taking resumes and they called me in immediately. Interview process was I had to sing in front of the audience first. And then if I made it past singing, then I would get the interview to be the waiter. <laughs> yeah. And I was terrified. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. Like, it was so scary. But I did it. And uh, yeah, that's that restaurant was basically my pay the bills and pay the rent job off and on for the last eight years, you know, before COVID. And um, they were flexible enough because everybody was a performer. So we were able to book work, leave the restaurant. And then when our, our contracts ended, we could come back. And it was a blessing to be able to sing every day. Definitely feel the difference now that I'm not singing every day. My voice is not anywhere strong or I, you know, I don't have the stamina right now because before I was casually singing from 7 a.m. to 5 p.m. at least 
you know, anywhere from 10 to 15 songs a day. So it definitely built the strength that I have needed to be able to live as a performer in the city, for sure. Do you feel it helped you with uh, dealing with the people? To be able to sing in public and like sounds like it was a job but it was a gig also so it's like you get to like build yourself up as an artist too yeah for sure it was definitely good practice you know it's because i was still a waiter it still made it very hard <laughs> you deal with a lot of people when you're a server or in any customer service related job you you deal with a lot of personalities and a lot of backgrounds and uh the difference in working here is that you know at a normal gig at a normal performance people are paying tickets to see me so there's a level of respect mm. that is held when you go to a concert or when you go to a show but at the restaurant that respect goes out the window a lot of times mm -hmm. and and people don't realize I'm still a professional and I'm also a server you know and so it was an interesting observation of how people don't take artists seriously uh in a lot of ways uh until they need them you know so working there it had it was a double-edged sword for a lot of reasons talk about the show that you were working to produce before covid oh yeah wow okay so a year ago now it was in a place where i had just experienced a big heartbreak I had went through a deep depression. I no longer had an agent or representation. And so there was a lot of like heaviness in my personal life. And the only way that I felt that I could deal with that is if I put on my own show in which I directed, produced, arranged, you know, I had a full band. I had three backup singers. I was doing music from musicals, also from the radio and I I had woven all of these things together to kind of tell my story, but in a way that could connect to other people. And it was called, because you said I couldn't. And it was just this idea of constantly being put in a box. People said I couldn't do this because they said I couldn't do that. And it was this show was going to be me breaking out of all of those boxes. And I mean, you know, we all know what happened last year, but basically I, I was was in the promotional phase already. I had been in rehearsal. It was just fine-tuning the last details of the show. Tickets were already selling. And then, you know, quarantine happened and I had we had to cancel completely and give the money back for everyone who had bought the tickets. And ever since then, it's just been a weird... I lost all of my jobs, you know, every single job that I've had in New York City has been some art related, whether it was the singing waiter, whether it was the improv show, hosting in a girl group, all of our concerts had to be uh, canceled. I'm a creative consultant for certain people. I like I help be, uh, people create their projects and their visions. And, uh, you know, all of that was thrown out of the window. And so it was hard to know 
how much work I put into something and to not be able to, to show it or present it. Granted, that's on a small scale because obviously globally we're going through something so I can take my ego out of it. So now I feel stuck and I feel like I'm not even sure which direction to go artistically because it was all taken away from me, you know, in, in some ways. And so, yeah, that, that was the show that I was supposed to do. And I don't know, now it just doesn't feel right to do it again. Maybe a different version of it, or maybe I'll do something completely new, but I don't know. Maybe that show was just never meant to be seen and I, I can take that lesson also. <laughs> Before we talk about 2020, tell mm -hmm. us about the singing group. Yeah, I sing with two girls, Bianca and Lacey, and we call ourselves Minaj. <laughs> Very clever. We met at the restaurant. We all worked together and we used to sing at work together, just casually would hop on each other's songs. We're just all friends and we got along. And one time we were at work singing a song and we just... <laughs> We just got very, uh, we were just very proud of how we sounded together. That was it. Like it was, we were just feeling ourselves after singing a song and we were like, ooh, we should start a girl group. Like, yeah, <laughs> like it was total bullshit. We truly were not taking ourselves seriously. We ended up getting a venue for free and like things kind of fell into place of like, well, if we actually wanted to do a show with the three of us, we can make it happen for very cheap. And so we, we, We randomly planned like a, a cabaret that incorporated the three of us. And that went really, we sold out the show and we were like, what the fuck? Like it was all just so weird because at no point did we really take ourselves serious. Like at no point did we say, this is what we want in life is to be in a girl group. Like that's not how that went at <laughs> all. Like we called ourselves threesome. Like it's, you know what I mean? Like it just wasn't, but at the same time, we saw the chemistry that we had and we saw the the work that we were producing naturally and we saw that we could feel from from the people watching our show that they actually were connecting and they actually they took us seriously we we may not have taken ourselves seriously but the, certainly the people that were watching us were and so from there it kind of just became uh well let's see what else we can do and we started learning songs basically became a cover band uh but we do all styles of music and we try to incorporate a lot of just a lot of radio songs that that inspired us growing up a lot of musical theater songs but then we also change it to a, to fit our voices and now it's going on five and a half years of us successfully producing shows all throughout new york city it's been a magical experience to to perform with them and to create music with them and we're finally at a place where we're going to start writing our own music which is really cool that's the next chapter right now so we're actually working on making some originals and i just can't believe this all started because we were just conceited one day after singing one song together that it's been a saving grace of just my fulfillment in art and creating something and collaborating and we've had some amazing opportunities as a group to perform a couple years ago we were able to open world pride parade and sing the national anthem i mean yeah we've just done all kinds of stuff that like we never imagined would happen and it's just because we said yes and just kind of followed the energy of the universe 
and continue to love what we do. We always said, we're not going to keep doing this if we're not happy doing it. Like no one wants to be forced to be here. So it's never going to be about that. And because it's always been authentic and like out of love and friendship, we've been able to just continue to create art and music and inspire people and make people dance and make people cry. And it's just, it's awesome. It's just a, yeah. I don't know. I love it so much. Tell us your experience of 2020. 2020 was a year of reflection for me, a year of going back to the basics. And I mean, when I mean back to the basics, like I needed to learn how to sit in silence again. I needed to appreciate my brain and my body. And I needed to, for me, 2020 was the lowest of lows and also some of the highest of highs in my personal mental health and my spiritual growth. I I had a lot of uh, loss around me. I definitely had people pass away, whether it was COVID related or not. I have had to move. I feel like that story is like the, you know, it's so relatable as it like everyone has had some form of loss. And I have had a lot of privilege too. Uh, and I certainly haven't gone through the worst of it. And I know people in worse positions than me. And so it's been a big reflection of just my position in the world, where I stand, how can I up lift myself how can I uplift others and I've been learning a lot and unlearning a lot I've I've realized how resilient I can be and I've also realized that I'm also very weak in a lot of places and to finding the support and finding the help and reaching out to people has been an essential part of my well-being and I just I just wish that more people had more empathy. So for me, 2020 has been a reflection of how can I help people and not just myself. Now let's move forward to 2021. So you want to share what you're doing now, your company, your projects, <laughs> your hope for 2021? Yeah, sure. So 2021, I'm 33 years old and I've just... I'm at a place now where I am able to take a little more control over my life and and the future and the future that I want to build. And so I'm in the process of building a production company and with one of my best friends and it's we both have been producing like my whole career I've been producing uh, I just never called it that I never wore the hat as a producer and I've been producing for other people you know I'll get hired to produce something for someone else and I'm just finally at a point where I'm tired of doing stuff for other people and I want to do it for myself and I want to make the art that I want to make I want to support the people that I want to support and, and lift up the people that I want to lift up and the only way I can do that is if I take control. So that, yeah, my production company, it's called Just Being, like just being the person. Um, and also me and my business partner, our initials are B&I. 
N, so just being. But it's gonna be it's gonna be predominantly to uplift women, all all women, and underrepresented, misrepresented, not represented. And we're just gonna make some dope ass art and focus on editing. And I'm building, you know, my my directing portfolio and coaching and everything that I've learned in my process, which has been very out of the box and non-linear that's the approach i'm taking into this production company so we're gonna break some rules we're gonna take some risks and and that is that is the idea behind what i'm doing is focusing on creating dope ass work that can inspire people and taking you know the middleman out and making shit happen for ourselves and i think if anything taught me if 2020 taught me anything is that like i can make shit happen out of nothing that's the energy i'm carrying into this year and so far it's been you know we've been commissioned to do three different projects already and it's just march and i'm talking about this this idea of the production company came up in january so like things are on the move and and i feel like lifting that mental barrier of i can't do it taking that out and saying, I can do it. I'm going to figure it out. It's working. Like, I'm figuring it out. And that's all I can ask for. And, you know, I, I wish for good health always. <laughs> so thank you so much for your time. You want to give your social media so people can reach out to you? Oh yeah, sure. So uh, I have my Instagram uh, at Nicelli underscore Vega. And on my Instagram, you'll find the other links to the the girl group I sing in and then the production company as well. Um, but you can just go to my main page with at Nicelli underscore Vega. Yeah. Yes. And if you want to follow us, it's at the 7 p.m. Cafe Podcast. Thank you, Nicelli, for your time. Thank you for having me. Yay! <laughs>